Hello, it's Shanty Dan here from the famous Nasty Fishmonger, and I'm going to be doing the interview today, but I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the topic first and foremost. So today's interview is all about disability and about disability in the music industry. I'm hoping this will be actually part one of a series of podcasts where we'll talk to disabled gig goers, disabled musicians, and just talk to them about their experience as being a disabled person in and around the music industry and around the culture industry as a sort of bigger picture. As part of this, I was able to talk to Rich from Attitude Is Everything a couple of weeks ago. Attitude Is Everything is a charity that works with disabled musicians, disabled gig goers, venues, festivals, promoters to try and increase awareness of their needs to make these spaces more accessible they do a lot of different things from liaising with artists to liaising with venues providing information about how to make your venues more accessible they do various different mystery shopper schemes to check that venues are sort of fulfilling their obligations and they just do a whole load of really really good work in the lead up to this interview i was doing some research and i found a lot of the stuff on their website really really interesting and i would highly recommend if you are a promoter if you are a gig owner gig owner <laughs> venue owner to check out some of their guides check out their diy guide check out their online guides to making stuff accessible and talk to them they're really keen to chat to people and i think there's so many small little things we can do that don't involve you know knocking down the walls and building a lift and building a toilet that just present the music industry and venues as better places and more welcome inviting places so i really wanted to do this series of podcasts because while i personally don't live with a disability i have a brother and a sister who both live with cerebral palsy and i've seen how this has affected their lives in general uh, but also how this has affected their ability to engage with live music live events and culture in general so i kind of wanted to take this opportunity just to raise a bit of awareness for that because when we're at gigs and when we're at clubs and these sorts of events festivals we're all having a great time and it's often quite easy to not look at who isn't there and by talking to rich today specifically i hope this will open some people's eyes to the small things that venues promoters festivals can do that just make their event spaces more accessible and more inviting to people with disabilities and just before I send you off to listen to the, the interview, I just want to say that obviously everything I say here is with the best intention and there is obviously no offence meant. And I understand obviously disability can be an area which is quite personal to people. And if I do say anything that is maybe not the correct way of saying it, please reach out and tell us. We're always open to learn. This is kind of half what this is all about. It's trying to increase awareness for disabilities and the way we should approach it. So if I say anything incorrect during the interview or if Rich himself does, please just get in touch and let us know and we can continue our learning. But with that, hope you enjoy the interview. I am joined uh, right now with Rich from disabled music charity Attitude Is Everything. Thank you very much, Rich, for, for joining us and taking some time out of your day to come have a chat with us. We really appreciate it. So for, first of all, I suppose to ask you is the obligatory, who are you, what do you do and where do you, where do you come from? <laughs> hey, Dan. Well, thanks for having me. As you said, yeah, I work for a um, disability-led music charity called Attitude Is Everything, although we're 
we work out from London, about a team of about 14 people, but we work across the UK and actually started over the last year or two to work internationally with music industries in different countries. Our work is really about increasing access within uh, live music and events for deaf and disabled people as audience members, um, as performers and uh, as professionals. And my role is as artist development manager, we've got a initiative called Next Stage, which is looking at the barriers faced by um, artists with impairments or long-term health conditions. And, and my role uh, in the organization is artist development manager for uh, an initiative called Next Stage, which is looking to remove the barriers for artists uh, who want to um, progress through the music industry and develop and raise their profiles. So I work a lot with different organizations within the music industry or um, venues, um, promoters, um, yeah, kind of all across the spectrum of anyone who's involved with supporting artists to develop. Um, and we use feedback from artists uh, on what they experience and try and educate and support the industry positively to remove barriers so it's really like varied amount of work yeah and I've, I've been with Attitude for yeah about two years now previously I worked in BBC Radio and I'm a musician as well so it's uh yeah I've always been involved mm, with music that, that, that's great um I mean I, I, I'm gonna ask this question just to get it out of the way quickly obviously with the the, the ongoing global situation how has that affected uh, Attitude is it how things go for you guys is it is it a tough time or yeah it's um it's affected everyone differently hasn't it it's um yeah it's been in some ways it's yeah it's been interesting because we've had to change the way we work which i don't think necessarily is always a bad thing that we've give, we've got the opportunity to try different ways of working not only you know between us as people and like you know all working from home and not not being in the office but also looking at different areas of music industry obviously our work bread and butter work really is in uh, across the summer period for my colleagues who work with festivals you know we we work with all of the major, really, pretty much all of the major UK festivals, Glastonbury, Reading and Leeds, um, Latitude, as, you know, access consultants, also as festivals that are on our charter that um, we celebrate their work. So it's been, it's you know, it's obviously a big loss to not be doing those um, those pieces of work. And it's also a shame for the people that we, we do our work for, music fans. And it's, uh, you know, it's obviously a bit difficult summer without, these key events that people I think really get a lot out of going to but we found other ways you know we've we've wrote a a guide for how to how to put on online events accessibly so streaming and Q&A's you know kind of online um, music events um, that also present their own unique barriers uh, to people certain health conditions or impairments and myself like my work with artists with Next Stage has shifted a little more to hearing more from artists in this time when everything has slowed down to spend more time. We have like monthly socials with artists okay. and con kind of forums where we've, we've talked about different issues. And I've, I've spent that time to actually carry out a bit more research and to connect with more artists. And I mean, my work was going to be a lot focused this summer on engaging with venues and festivals and promoters about asking artists about what access requirements they have and trying to build a campaign there but that's all still to come so 
yeah, I think I think our main concern and what we're doing differently is that now we are preparing to support the music industry to fully reopen and to not to not reopen and forget the work that we've done. It would be a real shame if like in the rush to reopen that a lot of access stuff good access stuff and progress that's been made kind of got forgotten that as a result of the pandemic disabled people or people's perception of disabled people maybe is like rolled back to like you've seen as sort of vulnerable people that could be kept sidelined and when really we want disabled people to be part of the music industry live music industry reopening you know like i said as either as audience members or artists or, or people working it's like it's really important that um that everyone is included in that moment um, and i suppose it's almost as obviously everything sort of come to a stop it's almost a relatively good opportunity to try and involve those i'd say in the conversations about reopening as opposed to just barreling ahead obviously it's a bit harder when you know life's going on as normal and people got 10 million other things to maybe stop and think and so it might be a good time to try and involve so people in the conversations where maybe they're not always included yeah, I suppose maybe like we all had like this thing about meet, meeting and getting together, like doing things face to face, which I think have great value. Although, like I said, moving online with a lot of stuff presents unique mm. barriers to some people. It can be it can be really inaccessible to a lot of people. But I do think it's made it easier for me to and for us as an organisation to connect with people and have conversations without um, having to put it through that filter of like, <laughs> well, if I go to this thing, it's going to take me X amount of time or this person X amount of time out of the day and like potentially mm. any time they need to recover the next day if that, you know, if it affects them traveling and energy levels. And it, uh, so in, in some sense, it, yeah, you're right. It has made having cons kind of consultations and connecting with people. You can just jump on a yeah. video call and, uh, you know, but like I said, I mean, that, 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 that is obviously from my perspective, whereas I know some people, you know, it's, it's a difficult way of communicating as well. Before um, we started to have a chat, I was doing some research and I came across obviously your guide to sort of making online events accessible. And I thought it was a, re a really fascinating read just because I think a lot of people automatically assume it's online, it's going to suddenly be more accessible for everyone just, you know, blanket across the board. And obviously that's not, not the case. And I think maybe I, <clears throat> even I was guilty of ha having, uh, having thought that. And obviously, sort of some of the things around, you know, live streams and closed captions and, you know, set lists and, and lyric sheets. I was like, that, that, they're really quite small and simple things that make your event more accessible, which I hadn't, hadn't thought of. And I thought that was a really, really interesting mm. piece of work. And I was very glad I, I, I came across it. I'm really interested to hear a bit more about um, the ne is it next stage you, which you run. Um, yeah. You sort of go into a bit, a bit more detail about what, what that is, what it's sort of aiming, aiming to try and do, and maybe some of the things you've achieved over the last two years or so yeah so we launched the um we launched the initiative at the great escape in brighton 2019 and the launch of it was off the back of some research we did a uh, hundred artists so we'll describe it's a hundred artists of access requirements which i know it's like like jargony when you talk about access requirements so i'll try and like bring that back so that for you like everyone listening like it's, it's the kind of term access requirements is used quite a lot by organizations and businesses as kind of terminology for what a disabled person requires um, in order to, yeah, I mean, I'm basically explaining what those two <laughs> words mean. <laughs> uh, what access, yeah, what a disabled person requires uh, need to access something. I know that sounds really obvious, but you kind of sometimes have to like boil it down and think, well, it's simple. It's actually 
there are quite little things that can make such a big difference and with and, and without businesses whether you're like a restaurant or a venue or you're an employer um you know like it can be simpler if you need a if you can't work from a laptop if you have a vision impairment for example and you and working from a laptop all day is really tiring and you you require you're like you have an access requirement of like having an external monitor for example and this is really simple but like it's quite helpful to like just see that as one thing and like once that person has that then they're they're away and they can they can you know contribute and um succeed and fail Mm -hmm. just like everybody else and um and so you know we did research into what like requirements are out there for people and whether the music industry was listening to artists or even asking artists and so one thing we learned that like there's a real mixture of the identity of disabled artists like some people positively identify as disabled others do but they're they're aware there's a stigma around it and there's a sort of it's a bit of a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because they believe there's a stigma and the attitudes aren't like always going to be good about that um, identity and so therefore it's sometimes hidden or some people don't even identify as at all as disabled even though they have a you know day-to-day lived experience of like a health condition so so we said like artists with access requirements but that research from that group really was like the first thing that I'd been like been able to find online or anywhere really would that kind of painted a picture of what it was like to be in a band or a solo artist or any you know and have lived experience of uh, disability so when we launched that in 2019 it's sort of a we wanted to start with a bit of a moment like that that got that got press interest and was reported and spoken about you know on the radio and and from there we set up a network of artists so we've got 80 around 80 artists in the next stage network and we kind of come together monthly to just talk about what we're all working on how music is going in general but occasionally we'll we'll have forums around specific areas like funding or engaging with promoters getting booked all these kind of areas that you each artist goes through but to talk about through the prism of like disability um what people's experiences are and that informs their what i do with my work with next stage on one hand it's like very user-led by disabled artists and then i'm engaging with parts of the music industry at the same time to take that kind of take that learning and take that kind of motivation really as well because I feel like it's 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 sometimes tough because like i don't have that um, I can't say what it's like for everybody, but I can only, you know, kind of like summarise what, what we yeah. get. And that's why research is really helpful. Like almost, I suppose to a degree then you're sort of almost trying to facilitate that conversation, isn't it? Between, you know, the disabled artists and then the, you know, the, the musical institutions, the venues, the promoters. And I suppose that's, that's it's, quite, it's quite a hard job, isn't it, then? To degree, because again, you can't be, you know, knowledge of everyone's experience. So you yeah. know, and then you've got to try and present it in a fair and a fair and balanced way. And that's probably quite a a, a a tough thing to do but obviously I I imagine quite a rewarding thing to do yeah it's great I mean um I mean I love like I've always worked in the music industry I've always played music I've booked Mm. festivals I've worked in radio it's like it it, you know it's really important for me to be doing something that I think will will benefit the music industry I'm not like we our work is about like I suppose when we when we go to a venue, for example, my colleagues who work in who work with our charter, um, which is sort of a 
a program for venues to work with us to improve their access for their audiences. So, you know, that might be getting step-free access, uh, working on uh, information they put online about their venue. When, when we go to a charter festival or venue, and they do that. We put them on. We put them on the chart with a gold award, silver award, bronze award. But it's 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 kind of like it is rewarding in a way. And like it, it may seem like to some places when we come in, are we going to get like in trouble for like not doing things properly? But what we're about is saying like this is actually going to like benefit your business. This means most people can come into your venue. You 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 may in a way be like. Um, excelling beyond your competition by mm. doing this and 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 you just never know like like you've spoken to me like and saying like people have family friends you you know it it's it's really quite common for people to have like to relate to when people do great things with access uh, when they show that they're like really driven to include everybody and so I think what you know it is rewarding and um, but we're we you know I we just want to like support mm. the music industry because well, yeah, um, we're all really passionate yeah, about it's music. Helping, it's helping the music industry almost 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 do better. And I, I think um, I'm, I was again looking. I think it's on the DIY, DIY uh, gig access guide. And so yeah. H- Hannah McKernan is obviously saying most places don't intentionally shut us out. They just need the right tools and knowledge to do it. And I think there is obviously they maybe people just don't have the knowledge. I, I often take for granted a little bit. I'm not being a disabled person, but ha- having mm. quite a lot of experience around disabled people. And my first job was working as a, as a, uh, a fundraiser for a sight loss, um, hearing loss and deaf charity. And so I've got quite a lot of exper- experience around it. So I sort of maybe un- have a bit more of that background knowledge that maybe, you know, people that don't happen to have that experience do have. And I think that then feeds into the yeah. overall perception of disability, maybe in this country, obviously, you know, it's a really small number of people and they don't want to go out and do anything. And, Whereas the reality is, it's is it just under twenty mm. percent of the UK population identifies disabled, or something along those lines. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that, right. That is yeah. a big. If we're talking about helping increase music venues business, that is that's not an insignificant <laughs> section of the public, is it? That's that could be the the difference. Yeah, like you're right. Most um, most places there is a willingness to learn and to do this stuff, and we also on the outside understand. You know, one of the challenges right now is you know, that the, the venues, promoters, festivals, they're, re- you know, they're fighting for their lives to keep their businesses going. And um, we have to find the right time, the right tone to to step back into our lot of relationships with those places and, and make sure that, um, yeah, all the, all the kind of good work isn't undone. But on the whole, there's always a willingness. And like, the net, you know, the name of our organisation, Attitude is Everything, kind of comes down to it, really. It's like, it, you know, you we're not saying that you need to spend you know money lots of money or or you know that that like this is about box ticking it's about kind of getting it and showing that you don't want to dis you don't want to discriminate and uh you want to do what you can you know there's also like i suppose if it really came to it there is the like legal you know quality act stuff but you know we we're so like intertwined with like our partners in the music industry that it's it's never it's never really a case of like us us and them kind of yeah. thing it's just yeah it's, it's a lot of collaborative like stuff and i think i think that's really important sort of the, the, the nature of um maybe that that relationship and as you say you don't necessarily have to to be access or to at least increase your accessibility you don't have to necessarily come in and spend 
10 grand on your new disabled loo, 10 grand on installing a lift. Obviously, those things would be great, but you know, for some organizations, yeah. maybe smaller grassroots venues, that isn't always going to be practical, at least not in the, the immediate short term. And by sort of if that's not yeah. possible, it's almost almost more important for them to make a statement that we are trying to be as accessible as possible. Here are other things we're going to try and do. Um, something again I saw on your website somewhere about um, if you can't necessarily install a disabled or accessible toilet in, in your venue using or trying to create a relationship with another establishment that maybe does have one. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that I'd never thought of. But it's all again about that. that yeah, I mean, attitude. That, that's like, yeah, so there are kind of solutions. They might not be perfect. Um, but you know what? For some people, they will like love to go out to a gig and they will they will do it under those they'll like they'll assess it themselves and say yeah i'm kind of up for that if it means i get to go to the gig you know i get it, it's not perfect but you know it yeah i think i think it's like if you can just present what you're doing it's like with i'm trying to like get a bit more involved at the moment with electronic music and trying to connect with more artists and djs in that world and one thing i kind of come across when i'm like in that world is like clubs and venues and this happens with live music venues as well a little bit but those that are a little more um contemporary and uh and maybe uh, cool and like they will have like incredibly minimal websites for example and there's absolutely like no information there's no photos there's no like it's very difficult for somebody to gauge whether like they can go there or not and what what awaits them and so we have like, we've had access on the Starts Online campaign, which is really just about, you know, letting people make the decision based on information. And that, you know, that can be such a game changer for someone to know if it's like, well, how many, set, how many steps is it? Is there a handrail? You know, can I like see a picture of the entrance? Like what's the parking? Like, do you provide a ticket for like a personal assistant? And like all these, all these things. And, even with my own like band, when we like book a tour and I, I go through all the venues, it still surprises me how few will actually put any information mm. about the, you know, about this stuff. Uh, even though you know what it benefits everybody, and we like, we always talk about this thing like universal access that like, our our work really. I don't think it always is. It's not just really going to benefit disabled people. It's like some people. I know myself, I like to sort of know before I go out, like what's yeah, going yeah. on, like a uh, venue or like, you know, get my head around some, somewhere and like, it, and it's, and it's, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of beneficial. Yeah, well, I, I am, again, go back to my, my first ever job was an intern at a, a, a site of charity. And I was, uh, uh, there was another intern who was um, blind since birth and we were working together and we would often go to training events and we'd go to all these various different places. And he would obviously immediately try and go on, on, online to try and find out, what the accessibility obviously there would never be anything online as a general rule there'd never be anything online um you don't mm. phone up get all the access requirements and we'd still get we'd, we'd get there and <laughs> then people would still start trying to tell him right the the fire exits over there and pointing and it was it was always quite whereas they could have just if that they could have had all that information online it would have saved them a lot of hassle it would have saved him a lot of hassle and it was a, quite a simple i want to say quick and relatively easy thing to do that suddenly makes you and your organization more accessible yeah, and welcoming, you know, it's just generally yeah, welcoming, isn't it? It, it? it it shows that you're thinking about these things. And yeah, I think I kind of am looking at that with Next Stage, like through the prism of like, for artists, um, you know, how 
how do you show that willingness and welcoming if you're a music funder like PRS Foundation or uh, if you're a promoter, you know, like, yeah, and I'm right. And, you know, it goes up and down levels, obviously, or from like a grassroots level to a kind of more established touring mm. level. We hear from uh, one of our patrons, Blaine Harrison from Mystery Jets, you know, he's talked about like how touring life got a little easier for him as they became a bigger band because, yeah, you're, you're in more established venues, more space, more facilities. You've obviously, your team's bigger. Um, there's there's more support and there's less sort of mucking in I guess um, in that you so it is a bit of a concern for me that like it's the the difficult moment when you're establishing yourself as an artist which is when you are touring grassroots venues and that that tends to probably be the most difficult moment as well where you have the most barriers so it it automatically creates creates a bit of a block there of people maybe continuing that with their careers or you know succeeding um, well I suppose there's that uh, that idea um as you still say when you when you're st- trying to establish yourself i think mo- most most of the process you know trying to get gigs in places almost like uh, asking venues and pros please can you can you book can you book me for this and i suppose there's almost that well i've asked them to book and they've done me this great favor in booking mm. and i don't i don't want sort of now become across demanding and then ask for all this other information i, I wonder if that mm. to a degree plays a part in not necessarily wanting to ask for stuff that should be readily available and should be especially you know part of the course obviously you've done a lot of work with sort of disabled artists what would you say sort of like maybe some of the really common experiences that they that they come that they have as as musicians trying to make their way in 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 the music industry yeah well um the things we found out from that research which i mentioned earlier and that come up again and again it's um it it is uh attitudinal barriers around uh, stigma and fear about about asking for what like saying what you need putting your access requirements out there before a, you know for a gig and you know worrying about how the relationship how a relationship would be affected if you really say look i really need like a room with a seat or i like i might have to cancel pending like where where i'm at that day like energy wise for mm-hmm. example you know the difficulty of touring when you might need to take more days yeah. off and like the costs around that you know again short-term cancellation of like rehearsal rooms that could cost potentially cost you money yeah and then if anything to just i suppose the not seeing or hearing people with similar experiences to you mm. uh, speaking out being given press coverage speaking on panels at music industry events becoming successful to a level where you, you know know them and they become an advocate there is there are there obviously are so musicians doing a lot out there at the moment but it's it's really important i think that there are like role models and successful case studies of people to sort of show that there are ways through yeah i think a lot of it is the the stigma and the sort of current uh maybe almost like elephant in the room that you don't want to ask for something and that's i guess it's twofold that you you worry that you're ruin your relationship or damage your relationship but also that maybe you know that promoter or whoever it is is maybe not prepared mm. or knows quite how to adequately like respond um, which is not always that person's fault yeah so i think it comes down to attitudinal stuff mm. there are obviously issues with regarding like there are artists who require step-free access to stages and there are obviously issues with that on a, a grassroots level that venues are 
often just in quite old buildings and spaces that small spaces that have made dif make it difficult to put in those facilities there are ways of doing that you know like in Leeds a few venues share like a stage lift between them so when somebody has that access requirement for a gig then they can make arrangements mm. for that but, you know a lot of lots of artists that I speak to who are in that position still rely a lot on the goodwill of their like bandmates and touring crew to support them through that just because they would really rather play than not and so there's a lot of I suppose yeah physical endurance and yeah stress that comes from comes from touring or just just keep just keeping going so it's a, yeah it's a really it's obviously very mixed depending on you know individual situations mm. but I'd say those I'd say that the stigma and that 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 dealing with access requirements is is still one yeah. that you you'd still see quite quite major you know quite well established promoters and people doing artist liaison just aren't asking that question but they will ask someone what their dietary requirements are um which is it was similar like you know that's really similar in a way um in the process and it wouldn't be it would be too much to add in do you or any of your tour and pie have access requirements and just asking everybody and that, that's something that we're going to look at in 2021 um as a kind of campaign when once things are starting up again well, that's it it's something we um we well we thought well i say we me uh for with our band is it, maybe is asking about access requirements when we book a gig obviously we're as i said i'm i'm not in the music context disabled i'm disabled at work so i've got dyslexia so so i uh, interesting how mm. uh, i consider myself disabled in one context and not in the other but interesting how obviously as someone who's quite conscious about access and that sort of thing and trying to find ways of bringing bringing it up and mentioning and trying to make it almost the norm so it's like we're trying to think about maybe asking mm. when we book gigs and whether, whether that whether that does anything whether it's noticed i don't know or, or not but we're going to try and at least try and move something along in that way and i think you again mentioned about the role models obviously i, I listen to and watch a lot go to a lot of gigs and consume a lot of music content um is, are there any sort of you know disabled artists musicians you could sort of mention for any of our listeners to go and check out if they aren't already aware of them any guys that you you work with as well yeah well we just launched a partnership with featured artists coalition and we've got some ambassadors who represent next stage in the fac and our first two ambassadors ali hertz who's in a band called a free piece called idealistics mm -hmm. um who've had a bit of like support from Six Music and um, championed by James Dean Bradfield from Manic Street Preachers. And yeah, so they're a really cool new band. And Rob Madison, who's our second ambassador, is in the kind of, I'd say it's like electro duo-y punk noise cool. thing and uh, called <laughs> Revenge of the Calculon. Um, yeah, and Rob's based in Nottingham. Um, and then... Yeah, and as a long-time kind of advocate of our work, uh, Ruth Patterson, who's in a band called yeah. Holy Moly and the Crackers, she's just launched her solo project, which I think uh, she's on Twitter as rpat, P-R-P-A-T-T. -T. Yeah, and so and Ruth's just the start of that project, but it's sounding really good. Yeah, so that's a good range of people. Yeah, wife, um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah well, it, you know, that's the thing with the network, the Next Stage Network, it's not like genre-specific, so it's quite nice when we do when we do catch up with all the artists that it's we're all we're all kind of doing yeah. different things and it's yeah it's not just like loads of loads of guitar bands or 
there is singer songwriters or whatever yeah it's, it's nice so. i suppose it's really good as well from a um maybe a well-being point of artists as well obviously i, I ma- imagine being disabled and being a musician could at times feel quite isolating or quite lonely so the fact that you get everyone together and have a chat is probably pretty good for everyone's everyone's well-being and mental health which is like a really, really nice thing. Yeah, well, see. yeah, if one, if one at the moment could probably do with a bit more human connection. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I was going to say, so it's always like, I think it's beneficial. Uh, I sometimes, yeah, it's like when, when it's all screen via screen, I'm like, I'm, I do like wonder what's happening to our brains. Like whether we'll, whether, <laughs> like how we're going to feel when we actually have to like hang out with people in person again. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, the, first, the first proper night out, when, whenever this all yeah. ends in the pub, is going to be a bit, a bit surreal. Ooh. I'm trying to remember how it all works. I think it will be like <laughs> how that. How do I have a conversation and drink from my pint at the same time? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it won't be that thing where you're like, amazing, we're all better, you know, it's going to feel no, like, a, okay, surreal, I feel I a little bit anxious because I've <laughs> forgotten what it's like to be standing in a room and like, yeah, um, kind of be around people. <laughs> Yeah, particularly people you don't know as well. Yeah, I think that's why gigs will be a very interesting kind of moment for people mm. to go back to gigs because they're so, um, I think you'll realise why gigs were so, and, you know, what what made them so unique about, like, you coming into this mm. room where, like, with loads of people you don't really know, but, like, you all love the music and you sort of have this trans um, transporting moment where you're, you know moved away from your life and your stress and all that kind of stuff i think hopefully it will really like it will really exhibit to everyone like what gigs were about in the first place again um yeah, yeah. definitely well, you don't you don't you don't know what you had till it's gone so i guess so yeah. idea isn't it until we come back to it, it might be a bit uh yeah a bit overload yeah um so this would be this sort of well, two two sort of last questions for me. One of which is kind of linked to obviously going to gigs. I mentioned now. Um, obviously, you've got your uh, DIY access guide online, which obviously we'll share on all of our platforms when we when we put this out. But what are sort of like the immediate, really quick things that sort of if you're like a starting up promoter uh, or maybe you run a small small venue, what are some sort of maybe the immediate quick wins you can do to help increase access and maybe show that you're you're trying to improve your attitudes to disability? Yeah. Um take a look at our site and put together an access statement, put a, put a specific page on your website that you can share a direct link to on social media, get a nice contact for somebody within your, like either yourself or your, within your venue or organization who prepare to take questions in advance of anything and be available to people. Have a look at what some other venues are doing as well. Like it was great venues on our charter who have got really awesome like, access statements on their website. Obviously they're specific to their venue, so you can't just uh, <laughs> copy and paste those. Yeah, copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> but you can have a look at like the way they've, you know, way they signpost them and, you know, where it's like Sage in Gateshead or Band on the Wall in Manchester. Yeah, there's loads of great venues that have done, you know, that you can have a little look at what they've been doing. I mean, if you're a promoter, I mean, you seek out like disabled artists, just kind of question whether you have even like thought about why it is that you've never booked a disabled artist that might not be because you don't want to it's just like have you ever thought that like mm. if you'd never booked an artist who was a woman or included a woman in your in the artist you'd probably think that's that's not right and then you could probably 
put the same perspective on that as with disabled eyes. Like you said earlier, it's a huge chunk of the population. I suppose I always kind of think music and like art in general is like always going to be better when you've got a variety of voices and experiences like mm. contribute to it. 100%. Don't want the same songs sung by the same people about the same things from the same sort of perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. like whether it's like your class or uh, your ethnicity or your gender, like sexuality, it's like, it's all, you know, a lot of great music I think comes because you're like, you're listening to somebody with like expressing something that's like unique to them and all that kind of thing. And that's not because I think all the disabled artists are singing about disability because that's not the case at all. Like, but I think it's more about that sort of voice regardless of the content of the, the music and the songs really yeah so i think there's the thing about like seeking out talent but also about practically making sure that you're like you're at least putting information online um that you're at least prepared to answer questions that you're welcoming and yeah and get in contact with us because like we work with like i said venues and festivals all the way from the grassroots up to glastonbury and like the o2 and large venues like that so i think i think it's also obviously promoters if you're a smaller promoter obviously you tend to work with a lot of different venues and I suppose you've almost got quite a good you're in a good position to maybe open the, the subjects with your venues as well because you tend to have you know a good relationship with you know the venue manager in charge so you, you're kind of almost quite an important cog there that if, you, if you're starting to think right why am I not booking disabled artists you then can almost take the conversation and open it with with your venues which is quite a good conversation starter um I want to pick on something you sort of just said then because it was sort of one of the last questions I had to ask which was in a music context, do you feel that maybe disability is sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to say lagging behind, that might be the best t t term, lagging behind sort of other, you know, very important issues such as, you know, race, gender and sexuality in the music business. Because there's been big drives, you know, to, to increase the, very, the number of female artists you have in art, uh, places like Glastonbury. Do you feel this is something where, where disability is sort of maybe still not quite treated on, on par? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, they're all unique situations do with equality and there are comparisons i think in like underrepresentation in that you look at the people who are in positions in the music industry and the diversity within those positions maybe sometimes also re is represented by the lineups at festivals you know the other people working in jobs and that that kind of thing so i think there are some parallels where you can say like I think the unique aspects of disability being that there are barriers, physical and attitudinal barriers that are, are unique and take education and support and resource to remove. I think that it's in the comparison, it's probably a conversation that unfortunately is slightly behind like where some of the others are, but like, it's great to see, like I've, like it's great to see things moving progressing in all areas um so can only be like inspired and and hope that like yes that disability can be seen through a similar prism where you would think this isn't like this isn't where it should be yeah we're i think we're still a little bit behind it like it's 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 even the thing for like artists to talk about still and to feel like it it's like a something they're not responsible for sorting out you know they can they yeah. can speak and share their experiences but it's really on like the music industry 
which you say like as one thing like it's one group that sort of thinks and does everything together it's not it's just like a huge group of organizers you know um, it's on people within the music industry to apply that same attitude like we want to represent we want to represent everybody on our lineups people we get funding to people we put in uh we review or you know write about in the press or put on the radio it's yes it's this kind of bit of all of that yeah